Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. So last week an incident took place in an NFL football game on Monday night, actually, that really captured the whole nation's attention. Yeah, I had friends that were texting me, asking me, have you seen what happened? Yeah, and many of you know this, but maybe some of you don't. Uh, Buffalo Bills defensive back named Damar Hamlin was playing Monday night against the Cincinnati Bengals and almost died on the field. He had cardiac arrest and collapsed, and um, obviously the whole stadium stopped, the, the game stopped, Thankfully, the Buffalo Bills medical staff actually performed CPR on the field. Uh, they got him to a hospital in Cincinnati and basically started trying to save his life. So obviously that became something everybody in the country was tuned into. I can, you know, I, I've been on the field twice when the stadium stopped as the Detroit Lions chaplain back in 91, Mike Utley went down with an injury, left him uh, permanently paralyzed. And I was on the sideline and we did the same thing that Len Vandenboss, the chaplain for the Buffalo Bills, I watched him lead the Buffalo Bills in prayer and a huddle on the field Monday night, just as I did in 91. And then a few years later, Reggie Brown, another Detroit Lions player, uh, was uh, partially paralyzed and we prayed on the field as well. Anyway, I mean, those are moments that are so scary. Oh, and for the wives and the parents of that player, it's so hard. Yeah, I mean, and it's why the whole country just stopped because it doesn't happen very often. It's very, very, very rare. But when it does, it it just reminds everybody what really matters. You think it's fantasy football or getting to the playoffs. And in that moment, you realize it's just a game and life. Is on the line. The good news is Demar is doing tremendous. Uh, he's recovering, and man, it was it was a scary moment. But something else happened that was pretty unprecedented for the time. Yeah, our friend Dan Orlowski, and he's our friend because he played quarterback for the Detroit Lions back in 2005. He came in as a rookie, and uh, we spent over 10 years with Dan. He is now an ESPN broadcaster, very well-known, does a great job, does weekend football games in the NFL and college football. But he has a he's a host on a show called NFL Live, which is every weekday at 4 o'clock. We watch it often because we love Dan. He does just such a great job. But on Tuesday, the day after DeMar's injury, Dan was on the program, and he did something that the whole country is talking about. And if you haven't watched it, I want you to hear it. Because this is what Dan did on Tuesday in regards to the DeMar Hamlin situation. This is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It him. is. Damar Hamlin, right, right, right now. I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you has impact. 
we're sad, we're angry, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, be with his family to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 So when you hear Dan pray on national TV, which was live, by the way, you know, what do you think? (laughs) When I watched and heard, I was like, are you kidding me? I was also like crying. Like, this is amazing. I don't think I've ever seen this happen on air. Yeah. National TV, uh, especially on a show that's not a Christian based, uh, you know, sports program to watch Dan's boldness. I mean, I had tears in my eyes. Me too. Not just because we know Dan, but because we know Dan's story. I mean, we were, well, you know what? We're not going to tell you. We're going to let you listen to Dan's story. A couple of years ago, we interviewed Dan Orlowski with a couple other quarterbacks that were part of that team in 2006, Detroit Lions, where we won three football games. And nobody thinks anything about that season except behind the scenes, there was an amazing story going on with John Kitna, our starting quarterback, Josh McCown, the backup quarterback, and then Dan Orlowski, the third stringer. And you got to hear the story because this is the backstory to why Dan would do what he did on ESPN last week. There's an amazing God story behind Dan's journey, and we want you to hear it. I'll start with John. Uh, as you signed, it was the only time in 33 years as the chaplain of the team that we were asked by the general manager and the head coach to be a part of a lunch when John, you and Jenny were coming in to be recruited, basically, to come to Detroit. How did we end up at that lunch and what happened? Well, I think for us, you know, it had been our second time going through the free agency thing. And so when we were coming up to Detroit, we asked them, you know, if there was a chaplain program, who it was, would we be able to meet them when we were there? So then that was the lunch time. That's how that happened. And uh, obviously, they made sure your wife came with because that was like <laughs> the sealer to the deal right there for my wife and for us. John, why was it so important for you to have Ann and me uh, to be a part of that lunch? We never viewed ourselves as like NFL players. We just felt like we were Christians on mission. And God was using the NFL to move us. So if, if there was a chaplain program, we wanted to know about it and kind of the fruit of the ministry that had been there before we got there. And so it was important for us because we just always have felt like we were on mission for the Lord in our in our career. That was really pretty new for us that someone had a mindset of like, what could this look like as a ministry together to reach people for Christ in the locker room and for the wives as well and their families? And then right after that, Josh, you uh, you end up signing. I don't know if I got the timetable right, if you were before or after, John, but you guys both came in. And Josh, you had a similar mindset in terms of I'm not just there to play football. Yeah, I mean, I remember, man, we're here to, to work for the team, but for the Lord. Um, I think that was the the biggest thing for me was just going there and I knew John, I knew his reputation and just really kind of, you know, for four years in Arizona had kind of 
understood a little bit of how to do ministry, but not like in a locker room where you're able to lock arms with a brother and, and um, be intentional about it. So that was the best part of that year for me was just that moment. You know, I felt like God, you know, knit our hearts in that moment to go be able to do that. Yeah. So there was a sense of destiny. I remember with you, John, I think I'm remembering this right. It might have been Josh, but it might have been both of you. But I remember one of you putting your arm sort of around my shoulder as we looked at the entire locker room. And you said, tell me about our ministry here. This is one of the first times I've ever had a player walk in here and realize I'm not just here to win football games, which you were, and you were committed to that. But you were like, as you said earlier, John, I'm sent here on mission. This is a ministry. And I remember just thinking, oh, my goodness, I think we're going to be on a journey this year because we have some leaders. And so it was like, okay, what's God going to do? And then Dan Orlowski was there. He was a rookie the year before, and now he's in his second year, and he's going to be in that quarterback room with you guys. So, Dan, talk about hmm. your thoughts as you meet your two new quarterbacks because, you know, they replaced the guys before you, and now you've got two new guys who, uh, I don't know, what was that relationship like? I knew of both guys. I didn't know them personally, but knew of both guys, and I had known Kit signed, and I was still young. So, all right, John Kitna, the veteran, comes in. Cool. Like, that's the veteran guy. I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to be the starter here at some point. And then I remember when Josh came into the building, and I was in the indoor facility, and you could tell who's, like, mature and, and wise and who's really immature and knuckleheaded through this story. I'm in the indoor facility in one of the back corner end zones, and I'm doing the foot ladder working out and whatnot and josh walks in and i'm like what's up and i'm thinking to myself like why is josh mccown here i'm the backup quarterback and he's like what's up man i'm like what's going on and i'm like kind of like i have no time for you right now and um we just chit chat for a little bit josh doesn't share with me that he's actually signed with the lions and so i get done with my workout but my mind is racing and worry is overcoming me and i'm like why is josh mccown in our building and i sit down for lunch and I get word from somebody, I don't know if, who was I was sitting with, that Josh McCown signed. And I immediately thought to myself, I hate Josh McCown. I want nothing <laughs> to do with him. I'm going to crush this dude. Like, I, I, why is he even here? The wildest thing was, like, Josh treated me like a best friend the whole time. Now, we were as competitive as three human beings could be. And I think that was, like, the initial draw for me when it came to John and Josh was I had never been around anyone like them, someone who could be very similar to me with their mindset. Like they wanted to like crush you when you competed against them and they never held back and they pushed you to the absolute limits. But then they were like amazing human beings to you and incredible husbands and remarkable fathers and great teammates. Like I did, I never been around someone that could want to knock you down and help you up at the same time in every aspect of your life. And I think that was like my initial draw to just sitting back and going something that they have is like I've never seen before. Yeah. So they come in and they're obviously followers of Christ. They've talked about that. They're, they're on mission. Dan, where were you in your life at that time? I grew up in a traditional church home, but I was very much so – the second-year NFL quarterback who thought he had it all, um, and he was the man. At least externally, I, I was there. You know, like I was a womanizer and flaunting money, whatever money I had, uh, totally insecure, making sure that people knew I was a quarterback in the NFL, 
and just kind of, you know, whatever stereotype you had in your mind when it came to a young, immature, reckless adult with money, um, I was kind of that in my life. And Dan, I will agree. Like you probably, as you got to know them, you saw them as dads and as husbands. What stuck out to you in that realm? Uh, that was like for me. I I had never experienced anything like that. I had never experienced someone who could be as driven as these guys were on the athletic field, and as hardworking in the football weight room, and as incredible trash talkers as they were. But then, like, actually, like, kiss their wife in front of their boys, hug their wife, and and when I say boys, like their teammates, their buddies, not their kids, but like hug their wife, speak positively about their wife, you know, like. Talk about looking forward to going home and being home and spending time with those people and then talk proudly about being a father and how important it was to them and that, you know, the way they allocated their effort and their energy and their time. It was like, you know, family time and family time and family time and all the positivity that came from their mouths about being a dad and a husband. I was like, what? You guys like doing that stuff? Like you like being a dad? You love being a husband? You like giving your a wife a foot rub? You don't yell at your wife for, you know, not breathing the right way? And, um, you know, I, I had just never been around someone like that. And so that's why I was just like I didn't know that guys were supposed to enjoy being married and supposed to actually love being around their wife and their children. And it's all these guys talked about. Like it, it was all they talked about. And then their actions followed it. Yeah. And so, you know, we're sitting here talking about it, you know, decades ago. Sort of a revival started to take place in that locker room, including we'll hear Dan's story. But from John and Josh, what do you remember? What what started to happen? Why did it happen? What what do you when you think back? And I know you've been on other teams and you played many and God's working in all kinds of different places. But in that one year, there's something pretty special that happened. What do you remember? Well, I think first of all, it was just, you know, getting to meet you and having the Bible study and, and then just, you know, asking guys to go. And obviously Dan's in the quarterback room. So we're going to definitely ask him. And I think what Dan, you know, was saying is, okay, is this how you last in the league this long? Right. So it's like, do I do, okay, I'll go and do this, you know, cause this might prolong my career more than anything. Correct. But, <laughs> and I think, you know, and Josh and I, we weren't necessarily having conversations like, okay, Hey man, you, you got those five, you got, the, it was just like, let's just be us and right. the, the talking trash. And, you know, you show up at lifetime fitness and Josh is dunking on people and, you know, you come back <laughs> in the locker room and, and you're, you're playing spades and you're playing dominoes, but you're doing it without cussing and you're doing it without having to go outside of the word of God to compete. And I think, and that was from the guys in the locker room, some of the stories and some of the testimonies of listening to guys in the locker room. That was the thing that stood out from them. It was like, they'd never seen that. And uh, I guess to just put it in a capsule, like the Monday night couple studies that we had at the house and seeing 40 people in one house on a Monday night, mm. is, that's just yeah. not NFL. It's not how it's done. And so it wasn't really anything that was like I was doing or Josh was doing or you were doing. It was like God was like, here you go. Here's a ministry for you. Yeah. And I think, too, like in the facility, Dave, I give you a lot of credit. You created a space at, at Bible study that was a conversation more than it was just a study. And I think it was relatable. So it just was a continuance of what was happening in the locker room to where guys were then coming in and getting some good theology. And then even with Ann on Monday night with the couples. So I don't think one one happens without the other because 
there needed to be another space to go to that God's voice was represented, and you guys did a great job of that. So I think that was critical in the Bible studies when, when we would get a guy to come that he wouldn't get uncomfortable because of your leadership. You guys have mentioned the Bible studies, right? So we did the Thursday afternoons and then the couples. The number one reason why that those became such a big deal and impactful is I had never encountered another man in my life who loved me like truly I felt loved by like I had with Wilson and McCown and Kit. That was the first time that I'd ever been like, wow, that that man literally loves me. But he's not soft. And there was something so appealing about that to so many of us in the locker room. That's one of the reasons why those Bible studies became the draws that they did and the Monday nighters that became the whole football team, essentially. Yeah, our Monday night couple study in the past, you know, for decades had been, you know, 10, 8, maybe 12 people. And that thing grew to, like you said, almost 40. <laughs> I remember one night sitting in the, in the, you guys remember it was in John's basement, but I remember sitting there and some wife was sitting there. And I'm like, Hey, you know, we don't start for like 10 minutes. And she's, she's like, Oh, I drove, you know, we drive two cars. I'm like, what? Well, I got to get a seat. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, so my husband comes later and, and then I'll, I'll never forget. This happened several times. I'd be sitting there, and I'd look over, and there'd be a player there that'd be the last guy in the locker room I'd expect at Bible study. <laughs> and, you know, and I'd be looking over like, what is he doing here? And I'd, So I ask him, what are you doing here? And almost every time they point at John or Josh and just go, I'm here because of them. They were, what you guys just said, they were watching your lives, and I don't think they had ever really seen what Dan just explained. Well, it's funny what you just said. They were watching our lives, right? Yep. Like, literally, guys would tell us that. It's funny because you run into these guys. You run into Gerald Alexander, Ernie Sims, and, and Dom Muehlbach, and, and Paris Lennon. And to listen to their testimonies 10 and 12 years later and hearing what God did in that, you know, that short amount of time. It wasn't even a full year. And what he did and is still doing in the lives of these, these people. Is, but they were watching. Mm -hmm. They yeah, were they watching. Were. I remember one time walking into the the guy study in the locker room and Calvin Johnson came running in and that day in practice, you guys remember it. I wasn't there. You know, Kit, you went off on somebody. The yep. defense got, you know, yep. it was a goal line deal. And, you know, and we all been there, you know, where they're grabbing guys and doing stuff and you run up there and you're screaming at and, and Calvin comes in. And his comment is, I've never seen a guy get so mad and not cuss. You never yeah. cussed one time. You honored Christ even in that moment. And he just yeah. walked out of the room. I'm like, what did, What just happened? But, again, it struck him with strength but under Christ. That's not something like that I think we intention. Okay, i got to be a certain way. Like that's walking with Christ. We're called to be a peculiar people. Hmm. That's what should be peculiar is that. We can compete like crazy. We can be angry without sinning, and people should be looking and going, okay, what's different? Mm -hmm. That's First Peter 3.15. Well, it's interesting, too, because behind the scenes, my wife's Bible study that I had grew that year, too. And it was pretty interesting, too, as I talked to the wives, like, hey, this is exciting that you're here. What are you doing here? And they're all like, we just want marriages like the Kittens and the McCowns. The bad thing was 
that everyone hated their own husband <laughs> because Jenny would be like, oh, yeah, John came and he rearranged the furniture on his day <laughs> off. And then he bought me all these new clothes. And all these wives are like, what are you talking about? But I think what they saw was the, the way a man, a Christ follower, loves his wife and makes his wife and his kids a priority. And they were blown away by it. It was like the guys were feeling pressure as they watched and their wives were kind of watching as well. You know, the interesting thing is when I talk about that year, I say the locker room tilted toward the quarterback lockers. The whole locker room was where you guys were. They were drawn over there. They had Kit with his big Bible, blam, right there on his locker, in your face. And they had Josh as this lover and jokester. I mean, I couldn't even start a Bible study without McCown ripping my shorts, you know, just making fun of me. I couldn't even get my opening line out. He'd be like, hey, your shirt's too tight. You know, when you try to show us your bicep, I mean, it's like, what? What just happened here? But the whole locker room was just like pulled over there. And then, you know, by the end of that season, I think we baptized 20 or 25 players, wives and kids, which was a beautiful thing. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Does your marriage need a tune-up or perhaps a bit of an overhaul? Come to A Day Together, our one-day marriage conference that focuses on helping couples develop oneness in their marriage. For a list of dates and locations near you, see our website at families.powertochange.org.au. Until tomorrow, God's blessings. Thank you.